Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast, a podcast recorded at LifeGate Church in Burleson, Texas. We hope you enjoy the talk, and be sure to stick around for more at the end. This morning we are continuing this series that we started a couple of weeks ago called Restore My Soul. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, Restore My Soul. What we've been doing in this series over this last few weeks is we've been looking at this very, very famous passage of Scripture. In fact, one that probably most of you know, maybe have even memorized, maybe have it hanging on your wall somewhere, have at least heard it at a wedding or a funeral. We're looking at the 23rd Psalm. And let's start this morning by doing what we've done every single week through this series. I want us to read it aloud together. It's in your notes and it's on the screen there for you. Some of you know it by heart today. It says, The Lord Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Man, what wonderful words, what beautiful poetry as we look at these words of David. David, a shepherd. In fact, what we've been looking at as we've studied and what we've learned already is we've looked at this from the perspective of a shepherd and how many know that a shepherd would see these words in a little bit different perspective than we might see them and we've learned over these last couple of weeks that sheep have a way of getting themselves into trouble how many know what I'm talking about and sheep can actually get themselves in to a position that is called cast down everybody say cast down They can get themselves into a cast-down position, and what that position really is is that they get turned over onto their back, and because of the way that their bodies are made and because of all the wool that they have, if a sheep gets completely on its back, it is impossible for it to get turned right side up. In fact, when it gets in this cast-down position, actually if it stays that way for long enough, it has a hard time breathing and eventually can suffocate and even die from being cast down. And what we've learned is we've learned that the shepherd will come along and will find a sheep that is in a cast down position and the shepherd will turn the sheep up right side up and that is called restoring. That the shepherd will come along and will restore the sheep. Pretty cool stuff, right? And what we've been looking at is how does God, our shepherd, begin to restore our souls? Some of you are here this morning and maybe you find that your soul is downcast. You find that your soul is in a position where it just seems like something's missing, like something deep down inside and maybe all the exterior stuff is okay, but something deep down in here is just not right and you find your soul is downcast and the shepherd wants to come along and he wants to restore. He wants to restore your soul. And as we've studied this, we've seen that that's what God does in our lives. And this morning,
morning I want to continue looking at this and I want us to see that not only does the shepherd restore the sheep, but we see in this very next verse here, we see what happens. It says that he restores my soul. But then check check out this very next verse. It says, and he leads me along paths of righteousness. In fact, I like what one version says. It says that he not only sets me back on my feet, he not only restores me and gets me back into an upright position, but one version says that he leads me along the right path. Everybody say the right path. You see, some of you are here today, and over this last few weeks, God has begun to do a restoration in your souls. He's begun to restore some places in your souls that are, that are downcast. But maybe you're here today, and maybe you say, I know that God is restoring, and I feel like I can breathe again, and I feel like, like God is doing something in my soul. But what's the next step? I mean, where am I supposed to go from here? What is the right path? for my life. How many have ever, let's just do a little, a little survey here this morning. How many of you ever kind of asked this question of God before? God, what is your will for my life? Just raise your hand. Come on, all over this room. And, and maybe some of you are even here today and you're asking that question. God, what is your will for my life? What is the right path? What is it that I'm supposed to be doing? I mean, am I supposed to take that job or am I supposed to start that business or should I marry that person or not marry that person? God, what do you want me to do with my life? What is the right path for for my life. And I think that's a, that's a big deal for Christians is, God, what do you want me to do with my life? And sometimes it's kind of difficult to know, God, what do you really want me to do with my life? And we'll try, we'll just try just about anything to try to figure out what God's will for our lives is. I mean, some of you, maybe you've done this before. Maybe you're like the guy that I heard about, you know, that was just like, God, if it's your will that I get a, a whole box of, 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 you know, Krispy Kremes and eat them all, then, then I'll just drive up to Krispy Kreme and there'll be a parking lot right there, you know, a parking spot right there in front of the place. How many know I'm talking about? Ever done something like this before? God, if this is your will, there'll be a parking spot right there. And then, you know, yes, there was. I had to drive around it seven times, but there was a parking lot spot right there. How many ever done something like that before, right? Or maybe you've done what I've shared with you before, you know, the whole point and, you know, point and read before. Anybody done the point and read? Come on, just be honest. Like, God, I need to know your will for my life, so I'm just going to open the Bible just wherever it falls and then I'm just going to point and whatever I point to, I'm going to read that and that's what you want me to do. I heard about one guy that did that, like he let it fall and he just pointed and he pointed to 1 Samuel 10 and 4 and it says, so Hanan seized David's ambassadors and shaved off their, their beards and cut off their robes at the buttocks and sent them back to David in shame. And he was like, man, that can't be right. Like, am I supposed to cut off the rear end of my robe? Or what am I supposed to do? I got to try this maybe two out of three and whatever. So he pointed again in Luke 10, 37, and it says, go and do likewise. <laughs> How many know we've all done that before? Like, God, what is the right path for my life? God, what do you want me to do? How do I stay on the right path? And we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. There has to be a better way than the point and read. There has to be a better way than God, if I'm supposed to have these Krispy Kreme, let there be a parking spot right there in front. There has to be a better way. And we're going to look at that a little bit this morning. But before we get too deep into that, this is what I want us to do is I just want us to look at why do we even need to be on the right path in the first place? place. I mean, some of you maybe 
are here this morning, and maybe you're not even, not even really truly convinced that God's way is better than your way. In fact, some of you, maybe you're here this morning, and you're trying to go your own way. You're trying to do your own thing. You're thinking, well, I love Jesus, and that's good, and you know, I believe in Jesus, but you're kind of living your own way, making your own path, not really living according to his word and his path for your life, and you find that your life is a mess. You find that your emotions are all messed up, and there's this inner turmoil inside of you, and your marriage is falling apart, and your finances are a big mess, and your life is just a wreck. And the reason is that there is a right path, and there is a wrong path. How many believe that this morning? In fact, the proverb says there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to destruction. There's a right path to live on, and there's a wrong path to live on. And here's what I want to do for the next few minutes this morning. I want to convince you that the right path is better for you, that God's way is better than your way. In fact, we see it right here in this passage that if we'll live God's way, that it turns out better for us. In fact, if you're taking notes, I just want you to write these three things down just real fast. What happens on the right path? Why should we even try to get on the right path? Why should we try to live God's will? Why should we try to live our life God's way? The first thing that I see just right here in Psalm 23 is this, that on the right path, we receive the shepherd's protection. Everybody say protection. It's when we get on the right path that we have the protection of the shepherd who is leading us and guiding us. You know, we learned last week that, sh- that sheep are kind of dumb, right? I mean, I don't think it's really a compliment that the Bible calls us God's people sheep because sheep are stupid. Sheep do stupid stuff. In fact, we learned last week that, you know, a sheep can get, can get spooked and then just start kind of running in whatever direction with no purpose. And then the other sheep are so dumb that they just start running too. They don't know why they're running. They just run and they just go. And we find that, man, that sheep on their own without the guidance of a shepherd will find themselves in all kinds of trouble. They can get themselves uh, where there's predators. They can fall off a cliff. In fact, I I was looking at it this past week and and I was reading a little bit. I found this one story where an entire herd of sheep just just ran right off a cliff and there was like 400 of these sheep that just ran right off a cliff for no reason. They couldn't figure out why they did because sheep just do stupid stuff. And And the truth is sheep don't have very good eyesight so sheep don't know the right path to go on. And so since they don't know the right path to go on, they'll just go their own way and do their own thing unless they have the guidance of the shepherd. And here's the thing is that the shepherd can see what the sheep can't see for themselves. The shepherd knows the path. The shepherd knows where the pitfalls are. The shepherd knows where the predators are. The shepherd knows where the danger is. And so the shepherd will lead the sheep along the path. Now, it may not always be the widest path. It may not always be the easiest path to travel, but it's always the safest path. The shepherd knows where safety is. The shepherd knows where there's danger. And so the shepherd will lead the sheep along the path that is safe for them. He will lead them upon the pathway of protection. And here's the deal. As as followers of Christ, the truth is, like sheep, the Bible says we've all gone astray. And we don't know which way to go. Sometimes we don't know what the right path is. And so we just try to travel our own path. And maybe we even follow what all the other sheep are doing. And we just go our own way and do our own thing. But the problem is, we can't see very good. 
And we don't know where the danger is. We don't know where the problems are. We don't know where, where the pitfalls or the predators are. So we have to surrender ourselves to the guidance of the shepherd. We have to surrender ourselves to God's path and doing things God's way so that he can protect us from the harm and the danger that might come our way. Now, some of you say, well, all right, I understand that, but that doesn't sound very fun, Pastor. I mean, really, if I do things God's way, that sounds a little bit restricting, you know? It's like, if I do things God's way, like, if I really do everything that the Bible says and I don't do the stuff that the Bible says don't do, I mean, that's not going to be any fun. There's going to be a whole bunch of stuff that I'm going to miss out on. And the truth is, yes. There will be some stuff that you will miss out on. If you follow God's path and his way, there will be some places you don't go and some things that you don't do and some stuff that you don't look at. And you're going to miss out on some stuff, mainly stuff like pain and sorrow and difficulties and hurt and struggles that God never intended for you to have. You see, God's ways are not restricting. In fact, if you're taking notes, write this down. God's ways are not restricting. God's ways are protecting. When I do things God's way, it's not because he's a mean God and he wants to keep things that are good from me. He doesn't want me to have any fun. No, it's because he's a loving shepherd. And he wants what's best for me. And yes, he might want to keep some things from me, but those things that he truly wants to keep from me are the hurts and the problems and the pains and the struggles and the difficulties and the things that we were never meant to encounter in our life. You see, the truth is there's difficulties in life. There's problems in life. Even if you're on the right path, you're going to have struggles and you're going to have difficulties and you're going to have problems. But God doesn't want us to have the difficulties and the problems that we bring on ourselves. So he gives us a pathway to follow. He gives us guidelines to live by. And those guidelines are not for our restriction. Those guidelines are for our protection. In fact, how many of you like to go to Six Flags? Anybody like to go to Six Flags? I like to go to Six Flags. We got season passes. We like to do this pretty much every Christmas. We'll buy season passes for the next year for our kids. And so we'll go there. And I'll tell you, it's just been just this last year that Six Flags has really been fun as a family. Because up until this last year, my kids would not ride anything. Anybody got any scaredy cat kids? You know what I'm talking about? It's like we'd go out there and I'm like, what are we even doing out here? We're riding a merry-go-round. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and over here we got these, we got these great roads coasters and this great fun stuff to do and I can't do it with my kids won't do it with me and I'm just like I can't just leave them sitting over there and go and do it and whatever and so it's just in this last year or so that they decided hey I, I think I might try that and they were always afraid and 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 they started kind of riding some of the smaller roller coasters and things like that and I think maybe part of the problem was that we put them on the Judge Roy screen when they were little and so anyway that's bad parenting there but you know, just this last year, they've kind of decided, we'll ride a few of them. They'll ride the bobsled, and they'll ride, you know, a couple things like that. But they were always afraid of this one that's out there that's called the shockwave. How many know the shockwave, right? And the reason they're afraid of the shockwave is why? Why? Because it has, has a loop, right? And the loop goes upside down. And so it was always like, Dad, what if I fall out when we go upside down, right? Come on, any kids? Any, some of y'all are still afraid to get on the shockwave. You're afraid you're going to turn upside down. And I kept trying to reassure them. I kept trying to tell them. 
Guys, I'm telling you, there is a lap bar. In fact, there's like a thing that comes over your shoulders. It is a harness, and that harness is there to keep you in so you don't fall out, unless you're on the Texas Giant. I don't know if you saw the news not too long ago. But you don't, you don't fall out, right? Because you, you got this safety harness that is holding you into place, right? And here's the deal, is we don't ever go, oh, man, they got that stupid safety harness, Right? Come on. Y'all get with me. We don't ever go, man, I wish they'd just take that safety harness off. That safety harness is making it no fun, man. It'd be a whole lot more fun if they didn't have a safety harness. We don't say that, do we? No, we're happy for the safety harness. Why? Because it protects us. And we know that if there's a safety harness on us, that we can even go through some loops, like double loops even, and we know we're not going to fall out. In fact, there's a freedom and a joy and a peace that comes from having that safety harness Harness to the point where this last time we wrote it, my kids even started lifting their hands up in the air like this. Like, and it's not like, Daddy, hold on to me. Why, why is that? Because they feel safe. And they can actually enjoy the ride because they are, they, there's a harness. And they don't say, oh, man, this thing just restricts me so much that I can't have any fun. They say, no, I'm so glad that that harness is there because I know that now I'm going to be safe. And I'm not going to fall out. And here's the deal is some of us look at God's word and we look at his ways. We look at his path for our life and we think, this is so restricting. I just can't have any fun. I can't do this and go there and have and all of this kind of stuff. And God's trying to keep something from me. And the truth is, yes, he's trying to keep something from you. He's trying to keep a whole bunch of heartache and pain and problems. He's trying to keep you safe. And when you realize that it's not for my restriction, it's for my protection that he gives me, he gives me this way of living, then I'm able to throw my hands up in the air and I'm able to have peace. I'm able to just enjoy the ride. And even when there are ups and downs, even when I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, see, here's the thing, is that that the sheep were still on the right path, but they had to go through a valley. They had to go through some dark struggles and some problems. And when you're on the roller coaster, you go up and you go down and you go through some loops. But even though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, even when it's not easy to do the right thing, even when I do the right thing and people don't want to hang around with me anymore, even when I decide to commit myself to God's ways and that means I might lose my job because I, I want to be ethical and I want to have integrity, even when I don't go places that I used to go, even when it's difficult and when it's hard, I don't have to be afraid because I know that he is with me and he is trying to protect me. Come on, that's good preaching this morning. Amen. On the right path, we receive the shepherd's protection. Check this out, number two. On the right path, we experience true peace. Everybody say peace. You know, there's no place on earth with more anxiety than when you're doing something you know you shouldn't be doing. And you know it. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? Like this anxious feeling that you feel, like this turmoil deep down in your heart, like this feeling of guilt. Like when you're doing something you know you shouldn't do, what does it bring? It produces anxiety in our hearts. When I was a kid, I, I, I learned this very young at age. I learned that, man, not doing what I'm supposed to do, doing stuff I'm not supposed to do, it brings a whole lot of anxiety. In fact, I learned this when I was, when I was really young, but especially I remember learning it when I was in the eighth grade. Because uh, I grew up in a church where uh, we didn't believe in dancing. 
Anybody grow up in a church like that, right? It was like, we didn't believe in premarital sex because we thought it might lead to dancing. You know what I'm saying? I mean, serious. It's like, it's bad stuff, right? And so, like, we, we didn't believe in that. And so my parents were the pastors. That, that went better than I thought it would. I, my parents are pastors, and so, like, we couldn't go to the dance. And I'm in the eighth grade. I, man, I don't dance. This white boy don't dance, all right? Y'all have seen me over here during worship. I don't know how to dance, but, but I didn't care about dancing. I just cared about being with my friends, you know? I just want to be with my friends. Eighth grade, I want to go to the dance, be with my friends. And my parents were like, no, you can't go to the dance. And I'm like, I don't, you know, whatever. I knew I wasn't supposed to, but here's what I did one night is I decided I'd go spend the night with a friend. And while we were spending the night with a friend, his parents didn't care if we went to the dance, so we went to the dance. And lo and behold, when I got to the dance, like half the church was at the dance. And so I'm going around going, please don't tell my parents that I'm here. Please don't tell my parents that I'm here. Please don't tell my parents that I'm here. And I go home that next morning, and I'm telling you what, like my soul is in turmoil. How many know what I'm saying? Like, because I knew I was doing something that I shouldn't be doing, and I was so scared that my parents were going to find out, and I felt so guilty, and I felt so much shame deep down inside. How many have ever experienced that before? Like, you did something, you deliberately disobeyed, you deliberately did something you know you shouldn't be doing and there's like this like this anxiety that you feel and this is this is what the bible's talking about in deuteronomy 28 and verse 65 god speaks to this and he speaks to his people and he says hey here's what happens when you stop following god's ways in verse number 65 of deuteronomy 28 it says you will have no rest among those nations no place that is yours the lord will make your mind worried and your sight weak and your soul sad you will live with danger and be afraid night and day, and you will not be sure uh, that you will live. And in the morning you will say, I wish it was evening. And in the evening you will say, I wish it was morning. And terror will be in your heart, and things that you have seen will scare you. Wow, I mean, doesn't that describe so many people? God says, here's what it's going to be like if you don't live according to my ways. When you get outside of the right path for your life, here's what happens. There's a sorrow in your heart. There's an anxiety inside of you because you know I'm not doing right. You know I'm not living right. And you're going, man, it's morning and you wish it's night. And it's night and you wish it's morning. And nothing satisfies your soul. And there's there's this anxious turmoil inside your soul because you know that you're not on the right path. But here's the deal. When we get on the right path, there's, there's nothing like being off the right path that causes turmoil in our heart, but there's nothing like being on the right path, knowing in your heart and in your soul that you're obeying God in every way, in every area of your life. There's nothing like the peace that you feel when you know that you know that you know that you know. That you're on the right path. In fact, that's what David was talking about. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though there's problems, even though doing the right thing is not always easy, even though doing the right thing doesn't always result in in what I thought that it would result in, even when there's dark valleys that I'm walking through, it's like he says, I will fear no evil. He says, I got peace in my heart. I've got peace in my soul, not because there's not problems around me, but because I know that I know that I know that I know that I'm on the right path, that I'm following God's ways, I'm living according to his word i'm living the right life on the right path and there's peace in my hearts 
That's the promise that we have. In fact, I love the passage in Romans 8, 28 that says, and we know that in all things God works together for the good for those that love him and that are called according to his purpose. That if I really love God and if I'm really living my life according to his purpose, then I don't have to fear problems and I don't have to fear pain and I don't have to fear the valley of the shadow of death because I know I'm on the right path and there's a peace in my heart that even when there's not peace around me, there's a peace inside me. Because I know I'm living according to God's ways. I I can tell you that there have been times in my life and in my ministry where I've gone through some dark valleys. I've gone through some what I felt like were the valley of the shadow of death. And the only thing that kept me going in those times was knowing in my heart that the circumstances around may not be what I want them to be. And they may not look good. But I know in my heart that I am right with God. And I'm living according to His ways. And my life is lined up according to His purposes. And I am living inside the right path. The path of righteousness that He has for me. And so I have peace in my heart that even when there's struggles and even when there's storms and even when there's problems I don't have to fear because I know he's with me I know I'm on the right path in fact that's what the Bible says in Romans 14 it says the whole kingdom of God is all about this it says in the kingdom of God the important things are living right with God and when you live right with God there is peace and there is joy in the Holy Spirit you see when you're when you're on the right path when you're on the right path you can you can have peace in your heart number three check this out when you're on the right path you can prosper your soul will prosper. How many want your soul to prosper? Come on, I'm not just talking about like a bigger house, nicer car, more money. I'm talking about real prosperity. I'm talking about my soul will prosper. That's what, that's what David was talking about. Look what he says in verse number five. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Why, why, is, why is he so prosperous? Why is his soul prospering? Why is, it, why is it that his cup is overflowing? Why is it that there's goodness and love that's following him around everywhere that he goes? Why is that? It's because he's on the right path. He's following the shepherd, and the shepherd is leading him along the right path. And as long as he stays on the right path, there may be struggles. There might even be enemies all around me. But even when my enemies are surrounding me, right there in the presence of my enemies, he prepares a table before me. He anoints my head with oil. He blesses me, and my cup overflows. I'm able to be blessed and prosperous even when there's struggles around me because I'm on the right path. David says if we follow the right path, then we're going to have the blessings of God, the favor of God upon our lives. In fact, I like what he says in the very next chapter. We've been studying Psalm chapter 23. Well, in Psalm 24, look what he says. He says, who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has what? Clean hands and a pure heart. Everybody say clean hands and pure heart. Clean hands and pure heart, and does not, look at this, lift up his soul to an idol, or swear by what is false. Look what it says will happen. He will receive blessings from the Lord and the vindication from God, his Savior. The Bible says that when we keep our hands clean and we keep our hearts pure and we don't lift up our souls to idols, what does that mean? That means we're following along God's ways instead of following along the path and the ways of this world. When we have clean hands and a pure heart and we follow God's ways, here's what happens. God will put his blessings upon our life. 
In fact, I, I like the way he says it in Deuteronomy 28. As God is speaking to the, the people of God. And he's teaching them. He's telling them, obey my laws. Be, be careful to obey what my word says. And look what he says will happen in verse 15. And he says, you must completely obey the Lord your God. And you must be careful to follow all his commands that I am giving you today. Then the Lord your God will make you greater than any other nation on the earth. Obey the Lord your God so that all these blessings will come and stay with you. You will be blessed in the city and blessed blessed in the country and blessed and your children will be blessed as well as your crops and your herds will be blessed with calves and your flocks will be blessed with lambs and your basket and your kitchen will be in your kitchen will be blessed and you will be blessed when you come in and you will be blessed when you go out and the Lord will help you to defeat the enemies that will come to fight against you they will attack you from one direction but they will run from you in seven different directions and the Lord your God will bless you with full barns and he will bless you with everything you do he will bless the land that he is giving you. The Lord will make you his holy people as he promised. But you must obey his commands and do what he says to do. Man, you talk about if you do what God says to do. If you live your life according to his path and his plan and his commands, he says, I will bless you when you come in and I'll bless you when you go out. I'll bless you when you wake up and I'll bless you when you go to sleep. I'll bless you when you're in the city and I'll bless you when you're in the fields and I'll bless you when you're in the country and I'll bless you when you're at home and I'll bless you when you're at church and I'll bless you when you're at work and I'll bless you when you're at school and everything you do will be blessed because you're on the right path. I want to prosper you. I want to bless you. But if you read that, that chapter in verse or chapter 28 and you go on down just a little bit more in verse number 15 and you see what he says. But if you do not obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands and laws that I'm giving to you today, all these curses will be upon you. You'll be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. Your basket and your kitchen will be cursed. Your children will be cursed. All as well as your crops and the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flock will be cursed. And you will be cursed when you go in and when you go out. The Lord will send you curses and confusion and punishment in everything you do. You will be destroyed and suddenly ruined because you did wrong when you left him. On the right path, I receive God's blessing. I receive his prosperity for my life and for my soul. On the wrong path, I receive curses. Now, I know what some of you are saying. Well, yeah, but Pastor, but I see some people. I know some people at work. I know some people at school. And I know they ain't following God's path. And they're blessed. I mean, they live in a nice house and they drive a nice car. And man, I mean, how, how, could, how could they be so prosperous when I know they're not doing right? I know I'm trying to do right and I'm barely making it. And then I got all the people, my boss or whatever, and they're not doing right. And there's prosperity on their life. And that just doesn't seem to make sense. I see what the Bible says, but that doesn't really make sense to me and what I see in the world around me. And the truth is that David asked this question over and over and over. In fact, you read through the Psalms and he's like, why are they blessed and why am I struggling? I'm a man after your own heart. I'm trying to follow you and I see the wicked who are prospering. And he asks this question and every single time, God basically gives him the same answer. We see it in Psalm 37. It's the whole chapter, but I just want to read part of it. He says, don't, God says, don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong for they are like grass and they will soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they will soon wither. But trust in the 
Lord and do good. And then you will live safely in the land and you will prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. He will make the innocent radiant, your innocence radiance like the dawn and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to ask. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper for it only leads to harm. For the wicked will be destroyed. But those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. Soon the wicked will disappear. Though you look for them, they will be gone. The lowly will possess the land and live in peace and prosperity. God says that. David as he says but what about these people who aren't doing right and they are prospering God says yeah they're prospering what seems like prosperity right now but it's temporary it'll be here for a moment it'll be gone and even if they prosper for the rest of their life in light of all of eternity our 70 or 80 or 90 years on this earth are like a puff of smoke They're here and then they're gone and they might prosper now, but they won't prosper in eternity. And the truth is really, he's not talking about prosperity in this world as much as he's talking about prosperity in my soul. And the truth is you can drive a nice car and live in a nice house and have all of this stuff that the world would call prosperity and still have turmoil in your soul. God says, if you'll follow my ways, here's what will happen. If you'll do things my way, you'll prosper. My way's better. He says, I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm not trying to keep things from you. I'm not trying to restrict you. I'm trying to protect you. I'm trying to give you peace. I'm trying to allow your soul to be able to prosper. So you might say, well, that's good, Pastor. I'm convinced now. I'm ready to live on God's path. How do I do it? How do I get on God's path? How do I know that I'm inside God's will for my life? Well, this is my favorite part of the whole sermon. Here's why. Is that God's will, deep theological stuff here, right? God's will is kind of like golf. How many golfers we got here this morning? Come on, now you know why I like this part of the sermon. Right, I love, I love some golf. Not, not very good weather for golf right now, but I looked at the forecast for next week looking pretty good, Right? And I love golf, and, and here's the deal. When you, when, you get on the, when you get on the tee box in golf, here's what you're trying to do. When you hit that first tee shot, you're trying to hit it out into what they call the fairway. In the fairway, in the fairway, here's what you got. You've got short grass, and it's nice, and it's well-kept, and usually the architect will give you a pretty wide fairway to try to get your ball in, and so you're trying to hit your ball down there into the fairway, and from the fairway, you have the best the best opportunity, the best chance of actually hitting your second shot to the target where you want it to go, getting it on the green, right? So you're trying to get it into the fairway, and it's pretty wide. You're just trying to get out there so that you can hit the next shot to the target on the green. But here's what the architects will do is that they know that you're supposed to be in the fairway, so just outside of the fairway, on both sides, they'll put some obstacles out there. They'll put, you know, maybe they'll put a sand trap out there, Maybe they'll put some water or maybe they get some really thick, rough grass that grows up really high. And sometimes if you hit your ball and it's not in the fairway and it gets out there in the rough, you can't even, I mean, you 
can't even get it to the green. You just have to chop it back out, back into the fairway. Sometimes you get out there and there's a tree or there's a native area and you can't even find your ball. And so when you get outside of the fairway, it makes it almost impossible to actually get your ball where you're wanting it to go onto the green. And God's will is kind of like that fairway in golf. It's kind of like that right path that we're talking about, that we're trying to hit the fairway. We're trying to stay on the path so that we have the best opportunity of actually hitting the target of God's will for our lives. And on both sides of the path, on both sides of the fairway, there are boundaries. On one side of the fairway, on one boundary, we have what is called the sovereign will of God. Everybody say sovereign will of God. The sovereign will of God. And the sovereign will of God is basically this. This is what God is doing in the world. How many know that God has a will in the world? And whether we're on board with that or not, God's going to do what he wants to do because God is sovereign, right? And so on one side of the fairway, we have the sovereign will of God. And so we've got to keep ourselves inside. What is God doing in this world today? We've got to surrender ourselves to God's sovereign will in the world today. But then on the other side of the fairway, we've got what is called the moral will of God. Everybody say moral will of God. The moral will of God. And the sovereign will of God is what God is doing in the world today. But the moral will of God is what God has already said in his word. And here's the clue this morning. Is that God will never ask you to do something that is outside of either the sovereign will of God or the moral will of God. Because if you get outside of the sovereign will of God and outside of the moral will of God, then you have no chance of hitting the target for God's personal will for your life. So you keep it inside the sovereign will and the moral will of God. And the truth is that God's will for your life will never, ever go against what he has already said in his word. That's his moral will for our life. I mean, for instance, let me just just share a couple of scriptures uh, with you here this morning. In 1 Thessalonians 4 and 3, look what it says. It says, it is God's will that you would abstain from sexual immorality. So here's the deal. You don't ever have to ask God, God, is it okay for me to sleep with my girlfriend when we're not married? Because that's outside of the moral will of God. God has already spoken to that. You would be outside of the path, outside of the boundary. So you don't even have to ask that because God's already spoken to that, right? Look, Look at another one in Colossians 3 and 9. It says, don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. So you don't ever have to go, God, is it okay for me to just lie a little bit on my income tax? No, because that's what? It's outside of the sovereign or outside of the moral will of God. God has already spoken to that. So you live your life, if you're going to live your life on God's path, on the righteous path, on the right path for your life, then you've got to keep it in the fairway. You've got to keep yourself inside of the sovereign will of God and the moral will of God. And as long as you stay inside those two boundaries, then you have the best opportunity of hitting God's bullseye, the perfect target for you and for your life. But when you get outside of these boundaries, it becomes impossible to truly hit the bullseye bullseye of what God wants for your life. So you got to keep it in the fairway. You got to stay on the path. What has God already said in his word? What is God doing in the world? I'm surrendered to that. And when I keep it on the path, then I can, then I can prosper. Then I can have his blessing. Then I can have his peace. And then I can have his protection on my life. And whenever I get outside of the path, then I lose his favor and his protection and his peace. 
and his blessing for my life. So you might say, well, how do I do that? Well, I just want to leave you with two questions today. Two questions that I want you to think about and ponder in your heart and in your spirit today. And that I think you should ask more than just today. But I think these are questions that we could probably ask every single day of our life. The first one is this. If you're taking notes, first question is this. What am I doing that I shouldn't be doing? Simple and easy question. But if you really want to be on God's path, you need to ask yourself, what is it that I'm doing that I shouldn't be doing? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's something that's outside of the moral will of God. God has already spoken to it in the Word, and you're doing it anyway. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's something that you're looking at. Maybe it's something that you're saying. Maybe it's an attitude that you have. Maybe it's a desire of your, of your heart. And you just ask yourself, what is it that I'm doing that I know inside my heart I shouldn't be doing. Because if you keep doing it, here's, what's hap- here's what happens. You get outside of the path and you lose his peace and his protection and his blessing and favor on your life. And so you decide to say, hey, there's some areas of my life where I know I'm doing some stuff that I shouldn't be doing and I'm going to make some changes. In fact, that's what Titus 2 and verse 11 says. It says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. And look what it does. It teaches us to say no. Everybody say no. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Here's the deal. The grace of God doesn't just give us a license to do whatever we want. The grace of God, the Bible says, teaches us to say this word, to say no. It teaches us to say no to some things that are outside of the sovereign or outside of the moral will of God. And we say no, and it's easier to say no because we know we have a greater yes to say yes to. We know that there is blessings and there is protection and there is peace and there is favor of God on my life if I will say no to those things that are ungodly, those things that are off of the path of righteousness for my life, I can say no to those things because I know there's something greater to say yes to, the favor and the blessing of God upon my life. So what are some things that you need to say no to? What are some things that you're doing that you need to stop doing? I want you to think about that today. Number two, what are some things that I am not doing that I should be doing? Look what James says in James 4 and verse 13. It says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this city or that city, spend a year, carry on business and make money. Well, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and we will do this or we will do that. And as it is, you boast that your arrogant schemes and all such boasting is evil. Then look what it says in verse 17. If anyone then knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin. For them. James says, here's the deal. Stop, stop living your life going, I'm going to go here and do this. And I'm going to live my way and I'm going to follow my own path and I'm going to do whatever I want. He calls that arrogant boasting. He calls that evil. He says, instead, you ought to live your life this way. God, I want to do your will. Whatever your will is for my life today. Whatever your will is for my life tomorrow. In fact, this life here on this earth, it's a mist. It's a vapor. It's here for a moment. And then it's gone. And so I'm going to live my life knowing that I'm going to live inside of God's will. I'm going to stop making my own schemes and my own plans and living my own life. Going my own way. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say, God, whatever you want for my life, I am surrendered to that. And then he says something very interesting. Something 
something I think we leave out so many times. He says, then if you know what you ought to be doing and you're not doing it for you, that is sin. But pastor, I'm not sleeping with my girlfriend. Pastor, I'm not going, to the, not going to the bars and partying. But pastor, I'm not doing all of that other stuff. I know I must be doing right. But what in your heart do you know that you should be doing that you're not doing? If you know you should be doing it and you're not doing it, the Bible says for you that's sin. So what am I doing that I shouldn't be doing? What am I not doing that I should be doing? God, I want to surrender my life fully and completely to your path, the path of righteousness. I'm not talking about legalistic stuff. I'm talking about I'm going to live my life according to God's ways and God's plans because that's what's better for me. We've been talking in this series, and the whole, the whole idea of the series is finding peace and rest, finding joy, finding contentment in our souls. And some of you, maybe you're here this morning and there's no contentment, there's no peace, there's no rest, there's nothing but a whole bunch of turmoil deep down inside your soul. And maybe the reason is today is you've gotten off the path. You're living your life outside of the will of God. Maybe it's outside of the sovereign will of God and you've just decided I want to do what I want to do and I don't want to do what he wants me to do. And today you need to come to a place of surrender where you say, God, I'm surrendering to your will on this planet. God, I want to be a part of what you're doing in this world. Others of you, maybe you've gotten outside of the fairway. You've gotten off the path and you've gotten outside of God's moral will for your life. And you knowingly are living a life that is outside of what God has already said. And maybe even you're making excuses and maybe even you're rationalizing it. You know, I heard a guy say one time, you know what rationalize really is? It's really rational lies. We tell ourselves stuff that sounds rational, but we know in our heart, deep down in our soul, that it's really just a lie. And maybe you're living outside of God's moral will for your life. Maybe you're doing some stuff, and you know it. You know what the Scripture says about it. You know it in your heart and in your soul, and there's this turmoil, and there's this anxiety, and there's this lack of peace and rest inside your heart and inside your soul, and your mind can't rest, and you just, you're just anxious and run around all the time, and really it comes down to this. You haven't surrendered fully to God's will and path for your life, and the only place you're going to find true, real rest is on the right path. You come to that place, you say, God, I'm surrendered to your sovereign will, and I'm surrendered to your moral will, and I want to be inside the path that you have chosen for me. All over this room, this is what I want you to do. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes today. I want you to give some thought to these questions. What am I What am I doing that I shouldn't be doing? What am I not doing that I should be doing? Why am I doing it or why am I not doing it? It probably really all comes down to this. My life's not really surrendered to the shepherd. I've been trying to make my own path, do my own thing. I'm here to tell you today that God has a path and a plan for your life and that plan is to prosper you not to harm you to give you hope and to give you a future but you got to keep yourself inside the fairway you got to keep your life on the path when you get outside the boundaries you're going to find pain and heartache and struggle and turmoil when you stay in 
in the path. Doesn't mean there won't be struggles. You might have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but you'll have peace in your heart and in your soul knowing that he's with you. His rod and his staff, they'll they'll comfort you and protect you because he wants what's best for you. Hello, everybody. Welcome again to the LifeGate podcast. My name is Jason, and I'm here with Pastor Chad Benson to kick off this week's podcast. And I think it's probably been a month since we've we've done this. So how are you doing, Chad? I'm doing pretty good, man. It does seem like it's been a while. I've kind of missed our conversations here. Yeah. Well, now that we've switched up our time, I think maybe we can... uh, we can keep doing this a little bit more. I really enjoy this time, so looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely, man. And it's good that uh, the Lord's been blessing you and your new endeavors and things like that. So uh, it's pretty awesome. Although, you know, thanks to your one of your last uh, sermons, I'm really having to watch the, uh, oh, man, I'm just busy. You know, I've been really busy. Yeah. I've, I've catched myself. <laughs> In life group, even and people are like, Jason, you you can't, you got to change that, you know. Yeah, it's not a good excuse. (laughs) Absolutely, I know it. I know it. It's funny because last week, not too many people said that because I had mentioned that in the message, but I heard a few people today. I asked them how they're doing. Oh man, doing really busy, you know, doing really good. We're really busy. (laughs) Obviously, you weren't here last week. (laughs) Just send them a link to uh, the the sermon, and then there. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. Well, I'm excited because we, you know, we switched uh, from our uh, campaign there, or the "What on Earth Am I Here For?" over to the "Restore My Soul" uh, series, and you know, I wanted to ask you. I think it's such a great series, and it's very, um, just it's very calming. You know, the intro video and the music and the graphics you have, and I just wanted to ask you, you know, what was the heart behind? I know you've kind of introduced it, but where was the, the idea of this series born out of, and uh, and why you chose to do it here at LifeGate? Well, actually, the idea for this series really kind of came when we were on our little uh, kind of getaway. With Amber and I went for a week and just uh, spent some time just resting and relaxing and doing a little praying, uh, spending some time together, just kind of away from everything. And uh, we were so blessed that the church sent us on that little trip. And while we were doing that, I was taking a walk and, and one day and just praying, asking the Lord for direction. And the idea kind of out of that for this series came. I'd never really done a series on the 23rd Psalm before, never really preached on that, although it's very familiar, you know, we all kind of know it. But, uh, you know, just the idea of finding rest and really the whole line of, you know, restoring uh, our soul, the whole soul thing was really kind of what stuck out to me that, uh, you know, that we're not, uh, we're not just a body, but we have a soul. And so even while we were gone resting our bodies, uh, what was even more important was finding that rest for our souls and how there's so many times I think that uh, we try to fix uh, the inner issues, the soul issues with exterior stuff and it just doesn't work that way, you know? And so I thought, you know, we're going into the, into the uh, holiday season when it does get to be one of the busiest times of the year. Some people even battle with some discouragement and depression, things like that during this time of year. And I thought, man, we need to really focus on what's going on inside and what's happening in our soul, you know. So that's kind of where that came from. Awesome. No, and I think that's I think that's great. And and also kind of we're just I have so many questions from these past series. I'm pulling them all into this podcast. But uh, the last sermon you gave, we really focused on uh, spending time and being silent uh, with God in, in the busyness. And you actually had us uh, sit 
for five minutes, you, you gave us some music, so you didn't make it extremely awkward. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you, you had to sit down for five minutes because we don't, I mean, you're right, we don't spend just time sitting and, and asking God to just speak to us. And so I wanted to, you know, I know you mentioned that sometimes you maybe set an alarm on your phone uh, and just to, to sit for five minutes and not listen to anything, not be distracted. And I just want to see, are there other ways that maybe you can uh, encourage others, ways that you maybe spend time with the Lord other than uh, just setting an alarm on your phone or, or things that we can learn from you in that way? Yeah, I mean, that five-minute thing, I'm not. that's not something that I do every day. I'll try to do that, you know, two or three times a week. I actually did that this morning, just trying to kind of quiet my mind and my and my thoughts before we got ready to do, you know, uh, the message today at church. And um, But I think, you know, I think one of the keys is just the consistency. Um, you know, I try to spend time with God every day. Um, it, it, at least, you know, five to six days a week, really a focused time with God. And, uh, I think some of the keys for me is just trying to make it towards the first part of my day. It might not be always the very first thing that I do, but, uh, one of the first things that I do and, uh, I read through, uh, the scripture and I used to would, I read a one year Bible and it was like trying to read through the Bible in a year. And I think that's a really good tool. That was a good thing that I did for four or five years, but here in the last couple of years, I've kind of just decided to focus a little bit more on quality mm-hmm. rather than quantity. And, uh, you know, some days I may only read, you know, three or four verses, but I'll just, I usually pick a, a, something that I'm going to be reading through. Like right now I'm going through the book of first Samuel and, uh, I'll just start reading from the, where I left off the day before. And I'll just read until, I feel like God is saying something to me or something really sticks out to me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I'll just begin to write my thoughts on that. And, uh, you know, some days it's three or four verses. Some days it's a couple of chapters, um, you know, and then I'll just write those things down. We've studied the SOAP method before, if you remember, uh, in the uh, text message series. And so the listeners could probably go back and listen to that when we talked about, uh, you know, how to do that. But I do that uh, on a daily basis. And then just spending time in prayer. I have a prayer list that I pray through. Um, you know, I have that on my phone and just kind of pray through that. And then some days, though, some days I don't pray through all of those needs on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, some days I just focus on just uh, a lot of times, a lot of my prayer time are, are just going, God, uh, I, I want what you want. Help me just be surrendered to your will. Uh, for my life, a lot of what Jesus prayed, you know, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I think if we can really get to that place where we're totally surrendered to God, then some of the other stuff starts to fall into place. And even some of our things on our prayer list really don't aren't such a, a urgency anymore because it's maybe that's not what God wants, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And just coming to that place of going, I don't want what I want, God. I want what you want. And so sometimes I don't even get to my prayer list. Sometimes it's just it's just having to settle that issue pretty much on a daily basis, you know. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand. Well, that's great. Well, I've got. I'm going to ask two more questions. I've just I've got so many here, but uh, two more in, in focusing on today's message. Uh, thought it was great really focusing on the path that God has for you and how you can really uh, try and stick on that path. And one thing you started talking about was uh, David in Psalms 37, and we're all the same way, you know, you see folks around you that maybe in your minds aren't following uh, the right path, but it seems like they're uh, prospering in so many other ways. And uh, maybe we do a little finger pointing that you had mentioned. And 
one thing I was thinking, are there ways that, um, we can maybe help those people rather than look at them in that way? And, uh, and should we help them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, uh, God's placed us in wherever we're at in our business and our, uh, you know, in our school or work or family or whatever to, you know, to help point people in the right direction, you know, and help to show them. I think though, you know, sometimes our actions need to speak louder than our words. And I think, uh, if you consistently will live a life uh, following God's ways and really trying to live on His path, the path of righteousness, people will notice that. And I think the more you do that, the more credibility you'll have with your words. I think if, if you just hear a sermon like today and go, oh yeah, I'm going to get on the right path, and then you go tomorrow and start trying to tell everybody you're on the wrong path, and I think you, your words are not going to hold a whole lot of credibility and people are going to be like, yeah, but I just saw you out last week doing this or that or whatever. <laughs> and so, you know, I think that gets us in trouble sometimes. I think we, you know, uh, we hear something and we just, we start practicing it for a week and then we wonder why everybody's not listening to what we're saying. And so I think definitely we should speak up. But I think that uh, it should come along with uh, a life that's living an example. And especially when it comes to your family, I think sometimes that's where, we, you know, maybe it's our, our mom and dad are not doing right or brothers not living right or sisters not living right or something. Or if you're parents and you have kids that are grown and you try and tell your kids you're not doing right or whatever. And then your kids go, well, but wait a minute, you didn't, you know, <laughs> growing up, you weren't you weren't following God and whatever. And so I think you got to have a little bit of credibility there by really actually living it out and, and doing it, you know? So I think there's times to speak up, but I think there's also, um, you know, people are looking at your life and the, the weight to your words comes through, um, the way that you walk, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like how you kind of tied into really trying to focus on not doing the finger pointing, but really focus on God's path for you and that eternal, you know, we're just, a small, well, it's a small period that we're here on earth and then life is eternal. So really focusing on the eternal portion of life rather than just that, the fleeting moment we have here. Yeah, absolutely. I think it does seem unfair sometimes because you go, wait a minute, they're not doing these things and, and their life seems to be great, but we don't know what's going on below the surface. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't know, you might see someone it seems to have everything that you would want and have it all together, but you don't know what's going on down in their soul, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, prosperity, you know, when we look at someone else and it looks like they're prospering, they may seem to be prospering on the exterior, but not be deep down in, in their heart and in their soul, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, great. Well, the last question is, uh, you gave a great example of, you know, the direction of the right path being like a fairway, you know, I've never golfed before, so you maybe need to show me <laughs> how to hit a few golf balls. We'll have to get you out <laughs> there. Yeah. <laughs> but the concept is, I mean, you can relate to it uh, easy, but as I was thinking about, you know, you said you have the fairway and you just try and hit it out. And then from the fairway, you can really aim towards uh, getting it in the hole or at least getting close. And there are times you may get out of the fairway. And so I, I wanted to ask you, what about the folks uh, that maybe just feel like, holy cow, they're just you know, if there's a fairway, they're maybe in a different city or, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> how did, is there a, you know, how do they get back? Because I think, uh, maybe for some folks they can be discouraged by that, you know? And so what are ways that they can, you know, can they get back on the fairway? And if they do, you know, how can they just really aim towards, uh, you know, that hole? Yeah. Well, you know what? I mean, in the 11 o'clock service today, I actually shared this a little bit. I didn't, I don't think I mentioned it in the nine o'clock service, but, uh, 
that it reminds me a little bit of the story of the prodigal son, you know, and a lot of people know that story, how the, how the son decided he wanted to take his inheritance and he went off and he got way off the path, you know, and he went right. way far away from a loving father. Um, and, and then he woke up one day and he realized, man, I'm, I'm so far out of where I should be, but maybe, you know, maybe my dad won't allow me to be a son again, but maybe he'll just allow me to be, uh, you know, a servant in his household at least. And he started moving back towards the father and the father never stopped loving him. The father was right there waiting on him. In fact, every father would go out and he would look for his son to return. And on that day when his son became, began to walk down that road, the father, as soon as he, as soon as he saw the son off in the distance, he began to run towards him. And I think that's the image of our father or the image of our shepherd that he's out there, you know, a shepherd, you know, a shepherd does is a shepherd when there's a sheep that's lost, that's off the path. The shepherd, uh, in fact, Jesus even gives this illustration. He says that a good shepherd will leave the 99 sheep in the fold to go and try to find the one sheep that's lost off the path. And so God is searching for you and he's out there as a loving father. He's waiting on you to turn towards him. And so even if you've gone way off the path, it just takes a step to back towards God, you know. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you take that step towards Him, He's there and He's loving and He's He's merciful and He 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 is ready to receive you back into His arms and back into the fold. And so it may seem like I'm, you know, four fairways away <laughs> from the fairway I'm supposed to be in. Um, but you know, there's a shot in golf called the recovery shot, you know, and sometimes you get your ball in a, in a sand trap or under a tree or out in the rough and you, <laughs> you knock it back towards the fairway. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's really, that's really as simple as that is if I'm, if I'm off the path, I start moving back towards the path and God's right there mm -hmm. to, you know, to meet you there. And it's never too late. I mean, yes, there are consequences mm -hmm. and I don't want to make light of that. That uh, the fact is, when we make poor choices and when we don't follow God's uh, laws and His commands, and we get off the path, we have to we have to experience the negative consequences that come along with that. It's you know, to use another analogy that the Bible gives, it's sowing and reaping. Mm -hmm. Whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. So if you if you sow uh, a sinful life, then you're going to reap some negative benefits. You're going to reap some some struggles and some problems and some things that God never really intended for you to, to uh, face. But the truth is, is that God is merciful and he's loving. And even though you have to face some of the consequences, it won't be forever, you know, uh, that you begin to plant new seeds, good seeds. And then those things begin to produce a harvest of righteousness and blessing and, our lives. And so we just turn back towards him. We repent. That's what that word repent means. It means to turn around, go the other direction. We move towards him. And if you just take one step towards him, he will take, uh, you know, all the rest of the steps towards us. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and I just had, I just had a light bulb moment. I'm sitting here and thinking, uh, we're going to have a series in the future called the recovery shot. <laughs> yeah, we might. That'd be a great one. That'd be I think you'd one. love that series. Maybe. <laughs> I think I would. We'd have a little fun with that. <laughs> uh, well, you know, to wrap things up, what are you excited about with this upcoming week? What are you going to be sharing with us on Sunday? Are there any exciting things happening at the church? What do we have going on? 
Yeah, man, I'm excited. I've been excited about this series. It's been refreshing, and I've been enjoying studying for it and working through it. This next week, we're going to be talking about uh, when we go through the valley of the shadow of death. One version says when we go through dark valleys. And man, sometimes we can go through some emotional dark valleys. And even when you're on the right path, um, you can deal with some discouragement or even some depression. And uh, I even know that there are Christians that that battle with depression. And so we're going to talk about that and, and how do we how do we get through those dark times and those those valleys that you go through in life? And so I think it's going to be really good. So I encourage everybody to be there for that for that. And then and then we'll wrap the series up right after Thanksgiving. And then, man, I'm excited about things happening with the building. Mm-hmm. It's getting closer and closer to being done. It never happens as fast as you'd like for it to be. But I think we're getting I think there. we're a couple months out. Yeah, we're, I think we're a couple months out. Uh, I was really excited about the prog- progress that's been made in this last couple of weeks. And so uh, I'm looking forward to that and, and moving forward in the holidays with our Crestmore Christmas, blessing the people in the Crestmore apartment mm-hmm. complex. And so lots of, lots of good stuff happening. Awesome. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Well, for those of you listening, thank you for taking the time to tune into this week's podcast. If you're new to LifeGate or haven't heard of us before, please be sure to visit our website at LifeGateBurleson.com for our address, service times, and upcoming events. Again, that's LifeGateBurleson.com. Thank you again for taking the time to tune in with us today, and thank you, Chad, for taking the time to talk with us a little more. You bet, man. I really enjoyed it.